0: And three, two, one.
1: You're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Y'all Let's get it.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast, man, where we uh interview people who have social proof. I Meaning this isn't like motivation, like I, I'm, I'm on this platform because I'm a good speaker. You're on this platform because you've done something amazing. And uh, you can like really point to it and say, look, this is what I built. And we're going to talk about how Mr. Andre Norman got millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of contracts. <laughs> What's good, Dre? How you feeling? Feeling paid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So for those uh, who don't know, because you, you fly pretty much under the radar, like you're really killing it on a whole nother level. Um like payroll staff, like you've you move moved yeah. people from their home.
2: I, I move people. I, I set up agencies and set up companies and I I teleport people in.
0: Yeah. You so, you set up businesses. Please, just just introduce yourself, my brother.
2: Andre Norman, Boston, Massachusetts. That's right. New England Patriot fan, all day. <laughs>
0: you
2: what I tell people, we cheat and win, so leave it alone.
0: <laughs> That's the whole introduction to Andre Norman. Okay. I have No real
2: talk. Um, <laughs> from Boston, uh, spent 40 years in the penitentiary, thought I wanted to make money in the street. I made money in the street, and it didn't go well, like 2.2 million other people. Mm, right. Go to prison, and I took the same stuff I did in the street to prison. So I'm hustling in jail, robbing people in jail, selling drugs in jail, the same exact thing, it got me to where I didn't want to be, I continue to
0: do. Mm. Then explain, after, dig, dig deeper in that. What you, explain that.
2: So on the street, you got to hustle. You got to eat. I want to yeah. look good. I want to wear nice stuff. I want to go places. so I got to make money. I don't have an education. My parents aren't rich. Don't have a rich girlfriend. So I got to make the money. And as a 16-year-old black man in Boston, I have limited, limited options based on my education and my, my skill set. So I go on the street and I rob people. That was what I came up with as a plan. That was a short-term plan to a short-term problem. So I'm robbing people and I'm making money. And for me, it's working because I'm making money. And How I do can, you target
0: the people that you rob?
2: You target drug dealers. I did because they had money.
0: So you'd find a drug dealer in your neighborhood?
2: No, no, no. Never in my neighborhood. I go to the suburbs. Oh. See, if you rob black people in the hood, even if it's another hood, they're going to spend every day they got finding you. And they're going to try to figure out, well, he's not from this part of town. hes They'll figure it out. Right. At some point, somehow, they're going to figure it out they are even going to find out to stick up kids in, in, your, in the different neighborhoods. They're going to narrow down. Right. They're going to end up with you some kind of way. And right. they're going to catch you someplace because they live not far from you. And they're going to shoot
0: you. So you go, you go out go of go town. go to the
2: suburbs. No, go to the suburbs.
0: You go to, you, you go to the suburbs.
2: And rob white people.
0: And rob white people.
2: Intentionally. Not just Intentionally rob white people in the suburbs because they don't have guns. They don't have pit bulls. They don't have safes. They don't have watch outs. And at the end of the day, when I get this money, they're not even going to give me a hard time about it. It's like, please, give them the money under the sink, too. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but then when you finally leave and you drive back to the hood, imagine a white boy driving around the hood talking about, yo, I'm looking for a tall guy, kind of skinny does stickups." ups He's going to get robbed again. They just take the loss.
0: Yeah, yo, so you're, so it's not like, yo, I'm recklessly, oh, I got to eat. The next person closer to me, like, you're thinking um, through the process of what is the best way to accomplish this goal?
2: What is the best way? So I would go out to the suburbs, and I'd just mingle in, be smooth. i meet Johnny. He's smoking weed in the park or sniffing coke in the park. And i find out who he's buying from. And you, at some point, there's a house someplace on the street with three 20-year-old kids who should be in college or probably in college who got to connect someplace. And they got a house full of drugs sitting on the table and a bag full of money sitting in the corner. And if they're watching TV, not thinking a thing. They ain't got a lock on the door, nothing. And mm. I come knock on the door, I find out where the house is, and they've never been robbed, so it's the last thing on their minds. Right. Everybody's friendly. We're just the neighborhood drug dealers in the suburbs. Police
0: ain't going to mess with us. We just go. You really process all that information. Yeah. That's then crazy. Then you rob that person
2: who's not built like that. It's not going to hunt you down. And when you come in, they're so terrified. Oh my God, I'm being robbed. This guy has a real gun. <laughs> <laughs> they you kick one of them in the head, I'd be like, this is my thing. Don't nobody move. You can, I make them all lay down. Don't nobody move. We're good. Don't move. Now, I kick somebody who wasn't moving. They're like, oh, my God, he wasn't even moving. <laughs> and he kicked them. <laughs> So, everybody's laying extra stiff now. And they're like, just give, give them the stuff in the bedroom, too. I mean, I swear to God, they give it all up. You run in a house full of, full, of, full of Spanish people, full of black people, they dying for that because they, they literally live for that. These suburban kids are doing it for fun. Mm. It's not how they live. It's just something they do.
0: Gotcha. All right, so for people that's watching at home, this isn't like the how to rob tutorial. You know what I'm saying? Like, he did it before 50 Cent, how to rob.
2: 50 <laughs> didn't rob nobody. 50 got the name from another dude. There was a dude named 50 Cent in New York who really robbed people.
0: Really? Oh,
2: yeah. He was this flat-out sticker kid. Then he eventually got killed, and then 50 balled the name. Rick Ross never sold drugs in Florida. Hella Rapper never sold drugs. That was Rick Ross from California. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, Ricky, I mean, Freeway Ricky sold drugs. Rick Ross in, in Florida said, Oh, that's a cool name. And he bought it. Got sued and won, but he bought the name. Rick Ross from Florida, hella rapper, hella security, I mean, correction officer. I think it was the CEO of some probation yeah. officer. I don't know what his job was, but he transformed and said, I'm going to take this persona, because all music and entertainment is is persona. Right. I'm saying Puffy started as a dancer, now he's a mogul. Right. Jermaine Dupree started as a dancer, now he's a mogul. So it's not like they started out like this rough and tumble guy. It is like, it's like it's entertainment. Right. You know I'm saying? Mm. I don't believe all the characters of Dave Chappelle. I don't really believe Dave Chappelle was ever Anton. Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. So right. why
2: am I believing Puffy was really a gangster right. or 50 was really a murderer? You know see, he hustled here and there, but he wasn't out there holding it down like that. He got his money. and We all got our money. But entertainment is about persona. What I do is about reality. So I I first came to Atlanta. I was in the mall with you. Mm. And someone was introducing us. And the dude was like, oh, you don't know Andre? And they said, let me see your IG. I made my IG like years ago Mm. before I moved to Africa. Yes, I've lived in the motherland. And they looked at my IG. I had three pictures. Elmo doll, my car keys, and something else too. Because I just set it up. Took three pictures to see if it worked and never touched it again. They looked at my IG and said, he's not popping. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, he's not popping. They, and I might as well have been a homeless dude.
0: Right. All right, so before, before we move up to there, because we're, we're definitely going to lead up to getting the bag and then, like, kind of doing this, like, whole social well, media thing. But at
2: the time, I'm doing, like, I got, like, easily seven figures in contracts. Hmm. I'm on stages in front of multimillionaires every day. But these people in the mall, mm-hmm. who probably took an Uber to get there, told me I wasn't popping because I only had three pictures on my IG. Right. I've lived in four countries, got houses in three of them, but I'm not popping because I ain't got <laughs> pictures on my IG. You can't be real if you're not on social media. Mm-hmm. I found out.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome to 2019. Yeah. <laughs> it's real like that. It's real so, like that. So, uh, so for robbing people, how did, what was the thing that landed you in prison for 14 years? Because I'm sure you were like kind of- I'm injured. home evasion.
2: That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. In Massachusetts, it's called I'm home evasion. I got. A, I, I made a mistake and brought some people with me who weren't, they were drug dealers. So I ended up with drugs, I'd give them away, and people would sell them, and I just, yo, know, wholesale, I'm not a drug dealer. I don't believe in selling drugs. I'd come to you like, yo, here, just give me whatever, I'm gone, I want the cash. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I had some people with me that I shouldn't have had with me. They weren't built for this job. Mm-hmm. They did other stuff. So they got in the house, and they just went, they panicked, they did everything wrong, we got arrested, and I got sent to prison. For armed home evasion, had multiples they gave me a 7 to 10, two 9 to 10s, two tens, two fifteen two 15 to 20s, and a five-year salary.
0: Not for this one. I had a bunch of them. But you weren't caught on other ones.
2: Yes, I were.
0: Oh, so you will get, get caught?
2: I'm at, see. Make bail. Always I'm have bail money.
0: <laughs> Stop I, teaching the kids, okay, the best way to do it. Listen,
2: <laughs> if you go to the club, I don't care who you go with, have enough money to get in a taxi and get home. Or have for enough sure. money on your Uber app to get home.
0: Right. Or if you're a woman on a date, even if he's going to pay, have enough money in your Cover bank account to pay for your own food. Okay. Just
2: in case it goes left. So right. I always had enough money to get out. Mm. That's the whole point of hustling is to keep moving. And there's going to be setbacks. And right. setbacks and criminality means jail. Right. So if you don't have enough money to get out of jail, then you're, you're really not a criminal. You're just stupid.
0: So so a, a, a bunch of them, and the the one time that you get caught, this last time you get caught, I, they just kind of put quit. it all together. Put,
2: they just, it was no more bail. See, mm. I used to make bail-on cases, and I catch more cases. That's how the American system worked. They just let you keep bailing out until they get enough of you. And they, I hit that last one, that was it. Mm. And they just, everything just came together, added it all up at the same time, and it was like, boom.
0: So you had, give me the... So 70, all, all of that, all, you had all of that, right? But you don't have to serve all of it. Did nah, run concurrently?
2: On that, it's, most of it was run concurrent. One was run from and after. So I was supposed to do 11 years, 8 months total. Mm-hmm. Then while I was inside, I picked up two attempted murder charges and it took it up to another 10. Mm. Because like I said, when I went to prison at first, I didn't change my attitude. I kept the same attitude I had in the street.
0: So you were robbing people outside. Then you, you, you No, robbing jail. people inside. We first day, up. walk me through first day. You go through it. You know you got the you got eleven years. What's your mindset? I'm scared to death. Really? Oh, terrified. I thought you'd get in there and be like tough. What? Uh, no, no, no. Don't it's nobody simple. move. I'm Andre Norman. I'm from Boston. What, that, it's that?
2: the equivalent. I explain to people when you're in junior high school, you you finish middle school at eighth grade, and you might be the coolest guy in middle school mm-hmm. or one of. Then you go to high school. Your middle school might have had eight hundred kids in it. Now you go to high school with two thousand kids in it. You're nobody. You're mm-hmm. a freshman. You're nobody. You got people been here four years. Yeah. They've been here. They know everybody, everything. You're nobody. Yeah. If you're a high school standout, you go to the league. When Kobe got off the bus in L.A., he was nobody. Mm-hmm. They sat him on the bench. I think he averaged three points his first year. Mm. Nobody comes in like, wow, okay, there's a LeBron every blue moon. But for the yeah. average person, even if you want to use sports, when you get drafted, you're nobody. Tom Brady was nobody when he got drafted. Right. When you get drafted, you sit on a bench. You're nobody. nobody. Even if you are good on, enough to start on your team, Aaron Rodgers is not looking at Lamar Jackson like, yo, you're the shit.
0: Give me the edited version.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is not looking at Lamar Jackson like, yo, you're, you're, you're killing it. He respects his hustle, but your first year, yeah. you just got off the bus. I've been doing this for 12 years. So you're good, but can you stand this test of time?
0: Right, so you walk in, you're shut.
2: You, oh, I'm shook. I'm thinking every bad thing is going to happen to me I've ever heard of. Now, I was one of the toughest guys in the county. Right. I was one of the toughest guys in Juve. One of the toughest guys in my neighborhood. It means nothing. It means nothing. When you get off this, at the bus at the penitentiary, you got like a thousand grown men. Some have been here 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. In this building, I know nothing of, don't know where the gym is, don't know where the chow hall is, don't know where nothing is. I'm shook. Full-fledged. And I, in my mind, I'm gonna to try to make an example of somebody, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I do best, fight. I'm gonna make an example of the first dude who pushes up on me to let the rest of the people know that at least I'm gonna fight for mine.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's important.
2: That's super important. If they don't believe you're gonna fight, you're gonna lose everything. If yeah. you're not willing to fight, you're gonna lose everything.
0: So give me give me like that. So you walk through what As happens.
2: They, we leave new man. I'm in new man for like three days. We down in the hospital unit at Mass. They have this little unit. You just stay down for like two or three days. then they bring you down to the to orientation block, the new man block. And my thing is, the first two to come up on me, I'm just giving them the business. It's it's going down. I'm going to show out. I'm going to do every move I know. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to say at the end of this fight, win, lose, or draw, that dude's about his business. Mm -hmm. And that's what I need to establish myself. When I walk in the unit, it was a reunion of all my friends from the dummy class, Mm -hmm. all my friends from special needs, all my friends from the principal's office, all my friends from from juvie probation, Mm -hmm. all the guys I used to fight against downtown at the movie theater. Oh, everybody I knew was at the prison. Mm. They're like, Dre, where you been?
0: So you felt more comfortable.
2: We we knew you was coming. <laughs> Everybody's, I kid you not, the entire ju—the juvenile probation, the entire ninth grade flunk out, all the kids from alternative school was
0: nothing but them in the prison. Mm.
2: So I, I got over the, oh my God, somebody's going to just chop me up because nobody knows me. I knew half the people in the prison. That was sad.
0: Wow, wow. So what was the first example you had to, set because fast forward you became like one of the top guys
2: the example i had to set was when i got with my guys i had to learn when i in my space back on the street i was a man now i'm part of a team where i'm not the man Mm -hmm. so i had to learn to be a follower all over again so i'm learning to be a follower and the best example i'm in the unit i am in, i'm on the bus with the number one gang it just so happens nothing to do with me the the team I'm a part of is the number one team in the prison. Mm-hmm. So they are running all the drugs, they're running all the wine, they're running extortion, they run everything. I just so happen to be from their neighborhood, so I'm in with them. Mm-hmm. I'm in a unit and the guy I lent a notepad to got, got taken away. So the, the unit the unit worker goes to clean the cell and he takes my notepad. And he he just and the guy got shipped to another prison, he goes in, there's some open food, he'll take the extra mm-hmm. stuff that he knows can't go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I said, Yo, Johnny. The notepad in there was mine. Can you get that for me? No, you ain't getting it. This is my stuff. You know how this works. I'm the runner. I get all this stuff. Like, No, no, that was physically mine. Let me mm. get that. And he refused to give it
0: to me. And this is a guy that...
2: He's a unit worker.
0: He's a unit worker. For, like the, the, the... Prisoner. Prisoner. He's a prisoner, but the prison charges him jobs. to go... Clean he has up. jobs. He okay. cleans
2: up in the, in the unit. Because gotcha. people work in the kitchen, people work in the factories, people gotcha. work on the yard... He worked in the unit. So he, so a guy gets taken away for whatever reason, shipped to another prison. They go in and clean the cell out, pack all his stuff up, goes downstairs and send the stuff behind him. There's some stuff that can't be shipped. So open food is not going to get shipped. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that's not going to get shipped. The unit worker just takes that because they're just going to throw it away. Right, it's right. customary. It's not like he's stealing. But then he'll take a notepad.
3: Right.
2: Dude ain't going to miss a notepad. Right. So I'm like, yo, let me get that notepad. That's mine. He's like, no. He, I don't know if he thought I was lying. So I see "Yo, we can. We got to fight for that."
0: For the notepad. For
2: the notepad. Over the notepad.
0: Over the notepad.
2: It's not about the notepad. It's about you taking my stuff.
0: And if people can take your stuff in prison, they're
2: gonna keep taking it. It starts with the notepad, ends up with your TV.
0: Right. Yo, almost even in like a, a corporate setting, when you go to work, if you if you're always the runner or you let people push you around, you just Obviously. never get out of that. Never
2: get out of that. So long story short. I said, let's fight. He's like, listen, you know, I'm a unit worker. I can't fight in the unit. If he fights in the unit, he'll lose his job. If he fights outside of the unit, he doesn't lose his job. Some stupid. rule. So he said, let's go to the library after lunch and we can fight. No problem. So I go to lunch. Does he
0: bring the notepad? No, he's not going to bring the notepad. He's
2: just going (laughs) to come. If I whip whip him, I'm going to go get the notepad. Right, right. I go to lunch. I tell my team, yo, I got beef after lunch in the library. Dude said, who's with? I see this guy from the other side of town. He's a, my, my boss, big guy, Dominic. He said, Dom.
0: "Shouts Dom, out to Dom. That's my guy. I met Dom, coolest person. But he was like the number one guy." Number in the one. Prison.
2: Full stop. Full stop. Massachusetts. He was that guy, hands down.
0: Sheesh. what makes so, you the number one guy?
2: You hurt a lot of people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Your, cool.
2: Your capacity to hurt people and to lead people. Right. So, so he asked me a question I wasn't ready for. He said, "Can you beat him?" So what do you mean? He said, can you beat him? I said, I got this plan. I got this plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He said, no, no, no. Can you beat him? I said, I got the knife you gave me. I got this club. He said, no, no, no. Can you beat him hand-in-hand, one-on-one? And I kept having all these little young boy excuses. I'm not answering the question. And he said, shut up. Answer the question. Can you beat him one-on-one? I said, no. He said, okay. Dave, you got the fight. Johnny, you got his back. And Dre, you watch the door. I made a face like, yo, I can handle mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I and He put you
0: beef. on door watch.
2: I'm on door watch. And it's my <laughs> beef. And he said, yo, it's not about you. So it's not about you. It's about us. And we don't take losses. Mm. So this is a we thing. And we don't take losses. So watch the door. You got the beef. You got the side. And that's it. And I had to swallow my pride. Stand there and watch somebody fight for me. We won. What? He won.
0: <laughs> Which is a we thing. So it's
2: a wee thing but it was, it was a lesson because I'm trying to prove myself at the risk of hurting the team. Because mm. if I lose, that's a mark against us. Wow. It's not a mark against me. It's a mark against us. So people in entrepreneurship, people in business, they have this me concept. So it's like, what's good for me? And how does it affect collateral damage? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here with you. I, like you said, even swearing on tape, that's, that's not cool for you. That's not your brand. So I have to say, well, man, I do what I want to do. I'm Andre Norman. Uh, no. <laughs> I have to be considerate of the team that I'm on in that space. So I learned that lesson. And later on in life, I actually employ that lesson all the time. How so? Can you get that done? People always sign up for stuff they can't do to try to prove something. They think that the willing, that trying means something. Trying people means nothing. <laughs> right. Accomplishment means everything. Right. I measure by results, not willingness. I don't measure by your willingness. I measure by the results. I
0: like that. I like that. So, so so obviously you learned a whole bunch of success principles in prison in this 14 you was there 14, 14 years, years. 14 years of um being locked up. When did it change? Cuz you went in as the same guy, but I guess that same guy is the thinker, the strategist. The, right. So but but when did it turn? When do you say, "Yo, I got to get out of here and do something different."
2: I initially had that this is my tribe mentality. I thought that this is where I was supposed to be. These are the people I'm supposed to be around. And this is my, my fate. This is my calling in life. I'm actually good at this. Mm. I'm really good at prison stuff. I'm good at being locked in a cell. I'm good at fighting in close quarters. I'm good at figuring out how to get around COs who have high school degrees, <laughs> you got high school diploma. I'm out smarting high school dropouts and shit. So <laughs> nothing against them. The, to be a CO, you need GED and no criminal record. So it's not like I'm going against rocket scientists or the top businessmen. I got a guy who went to school, didn't get arrested, got a CO job. You got a guy who dropped out of school, got a record, he's in jail. So it's not, I'm not battling rocket scientists. Right. So I'm battling people who are just as smart or just as dumb as me. Same space. And I finally came to a place of realizing that um, this isn't it. I was the king of nowhere. Mm. And a lot of people watching this tape, got their little business, got their little thing. You're the king of nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, I see so many people. My brand, my brand, my brand, dude. You make twenty dollars a week. You ain't make five thousand dollars a week. <laughs> my brand. I gotta be brand conscious. Like, I can't do this. I can't. I'm like, really, dude. You're the no king results. of nothing. Produces nothing. Mm. Bill Gates has a brand, for sure. Steve Jobs is dead. He got a brand, right? You know what I'm saying, Puffy has a brand, right? Most people that you run into. IG page with 20,000 followers is not a brand. Those are the facts. But in their mind, I've seen people struggle to get their social media up, their rest of this, I'm like, what is it doing for you? Mm-hmm. Your little girl Katie, Katie Jenner, that's a brand.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> she yeah. leveraged it better than her sisters. That's a brand. Mm-hmm. Half these rappers ain't even brands. They're just fads. Um, KRS1 had a song way back tomorrow, When You're out of Here. Mm-hmm. You, say, well, you ever thought about when it's over boop, boop, and you're out of here? You know what I'm saying sofa, sofa, couch, sheet. You know what I'm saying and Cadillac out of here. What happens after? How many broke rappers are on?
0: Yeah, oh, for sure.
2: Broke for sure, NFL, sure. NBA players are on. It was cool when you were in the moment. Where's AI right now? I love a- Alan Iverson. Where's he at right now? I don't know. Where's Dennis Rodman right now? I have no idea. I can go down a list. J.R. Ryder right now. You know am saying Carl Miner. Three-time dunk championship. Okay, where he at right now? Yeah. D. Brown, Boston Celtics. Dunk champion. Where he at right now? Yeah. You know what I'm saying a lot of these dudes were there, had a brand, they thought, and they didn't. Yeah. They didn't establish as, themselves.
0: As time goes by, like there's always going to be a new thing, and if you don't stay ahead of the curve, like you'll lose it. The but- act
2: just making money isn't the thing. There's two things. There's a guy named Keith Cunningham. He's out of Texas. He wrote a book called "The Road Less Stupid." It's not about how much money you make. It's how much money can you keep. And as we've seen, most athletes and rappers don't keep it. So you live the life. Most drug dealers don't keep it. Most criminals don't keep it. And the act of making what it takes to make money is the opposite of what it takes to save money.
0: So did you did you think like, all right, cool. One day I'm going to be old. I'm not going to want to fight. And like somebody else is going to run this prison because I can't I can't keep this up forever.
2: No. I got to a point of, it was like a, a Wizard of Oz moment. For anybody who's seen the Wizard of Oz, I made it to the end where I had a chance to be that number one guy and I pulled the curtain back and I see these guys hitting, hitting levers doing nothing. I'm like, that's it?
0: Oh, so you had a chance to be the number one guy. A
2: chance to be the number one guy. And I had this epiphany moment, like this clarity, like this Wizard of Oz moment when I saw it for what it was. It was all, I'm about to be the king of nowhere.
0: Right, so you were chasing something, you realized this isn't even...
2: Everybody in the street who sit her out there to make money. They're chasing nothing. That's short term. You already know you're going to jail.
3: Man.
2: You already know you're going to jail. Wow. So I'd rather live good for two years or three years and crash out for 20? Hmm. You're going to crash out for 20 years So to live good for three.
0: So what What was the step? You, ha- you have this moment, and obviously you're in your head. Were you still like keeping up that persona and like you were trying to make slow changes
2: no no i went back to my cell i sat out and i came up with a plan the first thing i said is i want to be free i want to be free
0: so the first thing you identify like okay you never had this moment i never
2: never thought about being free
0: you never thought about most
2: drug dealers don't think about quitting most strippers don't think about quitting (laughs) most criminals don't think about quitting most nba rookies don't think about retiring they're gonna get this check forever
0: how many years in were you when you had this moment so you're in prison for six years. I never thought it about going on. It took six years to say, yo, you know what? I don't want to be I don't want to be here. Because yeah. you were, were you comfortable for the six years? You accepted the fate or what?
2: I, I felt that I belonged there. Yeah. I fit in. So you can go places and fit in. And, and it's like, I fit in there. I, I understand this. Mm. So it's just like, cool. There's career college kids. There's people that never graduate college. They just keep going and getting another that's degree, right. another degree. They like being in college. It's comfortable. I know people literally of 34 years old have been in college since they were 21. They just keep getting more degrees and more degrees. They don't have to apply anything. They just sit. So when I decided I wanted to be free, first thing I did, because I'm a logical person, is I looked around at all the free people. Looked at the whites. Looked at the blacks. Looked at the Spanish. Looked at the smart guys. Looked at the chess players. Looked at the Muslims. Looked at the Christians. Looked at the guys who worked in the kitchen. Looked at the guys who worked in the gym. Looked at the basketball players. Looked at everybody. Every sub-demographic you can think of. And not one of them went home and didn't do good. They all came back. So I Mm. said, free is a trick.
0: Free is a trick.
2: Free is a trick. Free doesn't work.
0: So you're watching them leave. No, no. no. I sat down
2: in my cell, and I just thought about the past six years I've been in prison. And I thought about every demographic, every gender, the the homosexuals, the cool guys, the tough guys, the gang members, the super devout Christians, the fake Christians. I looked at every group you could think of. I'm saying the snitches, everybody. Not one group went home and did good. They all came back. Hmm. And I'm saying, wait a minute, I just went through my mind. I could count them all up. They all came back.
0: So that didn't, do, that didn't like deter you, OK, I, I feel like I belong here. Six years comes, yo, you know what? I want to be free. And then you have the thought, like, yo. Free doesn't work. Free doesn't work.
2: It doesn't work. So right now, people say, if I get a new website, I'll be popping. <laughs> Your business is not the website. right? If I just get this new jacket. I'll be popping. If I can get the right tennis shoes, I can go to the gym and I'll be popping. Keith Cunningham says, if I just get this new equipment in my house, I'll lose weight. Let me get a, a Nord-Track. Mm-hmm. And I, be the, No, you're not losing weight because you're eating bad.
3: Right.
2: You're not, not losing weight because you don't have a track in your house. Mm-hmm. Your business isn't doing good not because you don't have a website. It's because you don't have a business. Right. You're trying to promote an idea. You're not trying to grow a concept or a business. There's a difference. So I looked around and I said, everybody's trying to get free. What does it take to get free? Think about it. You're in prison. You got 10 years. What does it take to get free? You can sit on your bed for the next eight years and get free. Mm-hmm. You can actually do 100% of nothing and achieve freedom. So that's if you have funny. to do nothing to get it, what is it worth?
0: That's real philosophical. Right
2: no, that's real life. Right. <laughs> so I just realized free didn't work. So I said, I need to be something else. So I came up with the term successful. Mm. I did do successful people don't come here. If I can become successful, this is not where I end up.
0: But at this point, you don't have any examples of success. Either. But
2: I just, No, but I understood. I had examples of free.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I said, I just said, free, successful. Michael Jordan, rich people. For the most part, rich people. So successful people don't come here. Mm-hmm. Successful people get in trouble when they pay their way out. Right. So I said, I want to be successful. And I said, well, where do successful people come from? College. So I said, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be successful. And that's it
0: while you're in prison.
2: That was just a goal. Right. That was the goal, that was a pathway to never coming back. Right. Not just, from today forward, my mission is get to college, become successful, and keep moving. Gotcha,
0: so just uh, paint a picture for me. Like yesterday, you're number three guy in the prison, you're a gangster, you're about to be the number one, everybody respects you, people know not to mess with Dre, right? You're calling the shots, you have this epiphany moment, and you're like, I want to be something different. When you walk out of your cell with this new mindset, I went, what well,
2: happens? I went to my guys. I rounded them all up. I said, listen, I figured it out. I figured out what to do. I said, I'm going home. I'm going to go to Harvard University. And I'm going to be successful.
0: And they're looking at you. They
2: right. looked at me. They wanted to laugh.
0: Right. <laughs> but I had to have it.
2: No, I had to have it stabbing people. <laughs> <laughs> so people weren't into laughing at me. You don't laugh at Drake. Right. So I said it again. I said, I'm going home. Going to Harvard, I'm going to be successful. So I picked Harvard as my school. And then my homie pulled me to the side. He said, yo, Dre, what's all this talking about? He said, I figured it out. He said, you can't go to Harvard. I said, why? He said, you're black. You're a criminal. You're a gang leader. You're in the hole for trying to kill people. You were talking about killing people yesterday. You're a psychopath. (laughs) You can't read. Your family's broke. He just gave me all these reasons why I couldn't go to Harvard. He said, dude, you're doing 18 to 25 years. You can't. This ain't going to work out. He said, you're good at this. You're good at this. And Mm. what he was saying is, I can't go with you. Don't leave. me." That's what he was really saying. And there's a scripture that says Satan get behind me. I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kind of like brushed him off and I called my mother. She didn't think it was possible. I called my dad. He didn't think it was possible. And my father got upset because he grew up in Virginia in the 40s. And had a young black man stood up in Petersburg, Virginia, 1940 and said, I'm going to Harvard University and be successful. They'd have hung him.
3: Mm.
2: It would have been noticed that little uppity black dude, little uppity kid that lost his mind. He thinks he's better than us. That would have got you hung in 1940 in the United States of America in the wrong town, saying a little black he was going to Harvard. Wow. That had been an insult. Mm. So my father tried to talk me out of it, out of his own personal fear. Now I got father issues. And we've had a tough relationship my whole life. In that conversation, I heard my father in fear. I never heard my father escape. My father's six, 6'6, six, 300 plus pounds. When I was on the phone with him that day said, I want to go to I heard the fear in his voice because he was imagining 1940 Virginia and that they're gonna hang his son for saying this stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't say that out loud. Let that go. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's they ain't gonna let you. Like, Who are they ain't gonna let me. Then I realized his day was 1940 Virginia. Mm-hmm. His day was an angry mob that had the rights to hang black people. His day were the people that prohibited him from being born in the hospital because he was black. His day were the people that prohibited him from going to public school because he was black. His day were the people that made him a boy, no matter how old or how big he got, because he was black. And I heard in his voice the fear and the pain of his life. And me and this dude never got along, but I heard him that day. We connected in that space. But I still realized that I'm on my own with this that I just realized I got to do this. And you'll get an idea for a business. You'll get a concept for an, an, an initiative. You'll get all kinds of ideas. And the worst thing that you can do is run into people who don't believe what you believe mm. and don't get it. God gave me a vision. Go be successful. Go to Harvard. He didn't give it to Dave. He didn't give it to my dad. He didn't give it to my team. He gave it to me. But I'm trying to relay a message from God to people who don't believe.
0: Right. And they're looking at it from a whole nother lens. Right. So even like you could have looked at your dad like, oh, dad, what? You don't believe in me? But he's seen it from a different. His experiences say this is impossible. It's not possible.
2: And the people that you're dealing with are going to look at you and say, this is impossible. I say to people, when you have something that's for you, it's for you to carry. It's not for us to carry. It's for you to carry. You can't carry me anywhere. I gotta carry so i was being put in charge of this mission the question is am i going to deliver but i went out to try to find support when all the support i needed was in me Mm. that's the god will not give you anything that you can't carry he gave me what i needed but i still wanted additional support
0: did you see dolomite you seen dolomite the movie with eddie murphy yeah
2: i watched this it was too too slow
0: it is slow but if you get through it bro yo this dude had the determination out of this world just like what you're saying None of what he's talking about seems possible. None of it. And he started building his dream based off his own belief, period. Right. And here's the crazy thing. His friends would say it wasn't possible, but once he started moving and saw his belief, they followed anyway. Yo, it was crazy. People were following his dream based off his own belief of the dream in spite of what they believed. But they're like, yo, this fool might... That's around. <laughs> make, make it happen.
2: <laughs> I, I got a thing that I do, and I as, as I teach people. If there's three there's three levels. There's a zero percent chance, there's a fifty percent chance, and there's a hundred percent chance. If I told you if you got one coin and if you put it down on one of these three, there's a 0% to zero percent chance the prize 100000 hundred thousand. There's a fifty percent chance prize fifty thousand. There's a hundred percent chance prize ten thousand. If you got one chip, you put it over here You 100 chance you're gonna win put it here 50 percent chance you're gonna win you put it here there's a zero percent chance you're gonna win i always ask I, I draw the map i say here's your one coin where do you place it 90 percent of people put it on a hundred percent chance mm-hmm. they're like yo i win 100 percent, i'm guaranteed to win yeah what do you have to do to win that 100 percent? nothing mm-hmm. nothing they say but i said why don't you do the 50 or the 100 or the zero Man, i might lose and there's no way i'm gonna win And I say to you, what is the likelihood of this guy that we're talking about sitting in prison, gang member, criminal, psychopath, making it to Harvard? Zero percent. But I did it. What is the chance or the odds of that same guy making it to the White House? Zero. But I did it. What is the chance of that same guy being accepted and joining a multi-million-dollar CEO network in the country, in the world? I did it. What is the odds of that guy being office manager for the number one mastermind group in the world, Genius Network? Zero, but I did it. So 0% is a trick. It works. Mm. Nothing exists before it existed. What were the odds of 1975 somebody telling you you have a phone that you can text somebody in China with instantaneously? Mm -hmm. You just said 0%. Steve Jobs didn't believe. Steve Jobs didn't believe it. What were the odds of a self-driving car 20 years ago? Zero. Elon Musk didn't believe.
0: Mm. Mm. So what's so what, what was the activity? Because we still got eight more years of the story.
2: It, it, the short story is in the eight years, I went back to school, taught myself how to read. While you were in while in prison yep. in segregation. I was in solitary, went back to school, went to counseling, went to therapy. I had mental health issues, y'all. Just for the record. So <laughs> I just went and got every for the next eight years of my life. I taught myself to law, reversed some cases on appeal. For The next eight years, I worked 20 hours a day. Mm. 20 hours a day. Every one day.
0: day made it like it changed the course for the next eight. One day, one idea.
2: You Remember the day you, you met your wife? Yeah. Changed the rest of your life, didn't it? Done. <laughs> you get it. Wow. The rest of uh-huh. your life has changed, isn't it? Absolutely. Remember the day you met her? Absolutely. Where are you now?
0: Uh, in, in marital bliss, boo. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> people are like, how did you do that? The same way anything else happens. Mm-hmm. You, met your, you met her one day, you're like, wow. And it hit you one day. You might have saw her a couple of times. One day, mm. like, I want her. I need to be with her. She mm. needs to be you had that thought in your mind that you went about everything you had to do, taking her to dinner, buying her flowers, make sure you got the right amount of cologne on, mm. presenting yourself in the right way, praying more, whatever you needed to do, you did. Yeah. And now that you're married, you have to do twice as much. Oh, for sure. For sure. But when you had that concept of I want to marry this woman, you went in a nonstop twenty-four hour thinking mode. Yeah.
0: Did people treat you differently with this new dre? Did they, like, try you more or? Did
2: your friends treat you differently when you decided you wanted one woman uh, in your life and nobody absolutely. else? Absolutely, Exactly. They're like, wait, come on, there, Let's go to the club. Yo, let's go over here. You're like, nah, I'm focused. I, I used to have free time yeah. to do stuff like that. Now that 20 hours or 10 hours a week that I've been wasting on nothingness, I'm putting towards this woman because there's, there's a benefit in the future in that. There's no for future in this. For sure. But your friends still go do stuff that's not going to produce anything. Yeah. And you're not mad at them for still doing it. You just don't do it with them anymore.
3: Right, right. So when
2: I changed my life, people weren't upset at me. They actually saw the, the, there was more space for them. Mm-hmm. So I gave away the drug dealing. I gave away all the extra stuff. And I focused on me. Mm. I didn't get, hey, y- y'all can have all this. They're like, what? He's crazy. He's going to let us have all the drug profits. He's going to let us have all the extortion profits. He doesn't want this anymore. Trading went crazy. That was the word. Word in prison was Drake, the crazy Drake went crazy. <laughs> Psychopathic Drake has gone crazy. Wow. Because he no longer wants to participate in illegal money gaining stuff. Right.
0: So you've been changing over the next eight years.
1: This podcast is sponsored by DonaldTheVoice.com. For all your audio and video needs, I'm here for you. Sound good, look good, be good. The official editor and producer of the Social Proof Podcast, Donald The Voice. And, and now, back to the show.
0: Walk me through the first, I'm talking about like the day you wake up that morning and like this is your day to be released.
2: I, I, I got my parole in April mm-hmm. of 1999 and the Department of Corrections refused to release me. They told the parole board we would not release this
0: man. In, oh yeah, and, and we, we fast forward <laughs> past a lot of stuff. Because you were only supposed to be in for 11. 11. But you I did, did something 14. In, in the, I caught in the two first six years to make yeah. it or like in the during the transitional? Years,
2: during the first six years, I caught two attempted murder cases. But when I finally made parole, I, I maxed out my first sentence at 10. Then I did almost four in the next one. But when I got to the parole, I made parole. When I made parole, the Department of Corrections never thought it was possible. Was when you say no, make
0: parole, what do you mean exactly? You go
2: before a hearings board and there's like three people and they decide should be let out early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to convey to them, I'm remorseful, I'm accountable, I have a plan, I have a strategy, I have support. And they look at all that and they say, okay, cool, you can go home when you can. Mm. So I went and they said, okay, you can go home. The Department of Corrections, which houses us, says, not this one. You can't have him. We're not, we're not agreeing to this. They mm. had no dog in the fight. Their job is carrying custody. Their job is not released. Even they though said,
0: they've seen that over the last eight years? Doesn't matter. Like doesn't matter
2: i tell you this here, never cheat on your wife, because she'll never forget. Mm. She might forgive you, but she'll never forget. It. And you won't forget. And it'll forever change your relationship. Yeah,
0: you put them through so much.
2: Put them through. I earned that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and They just picked my name out of a hat. Right, but right. for the long story short, I had to fight with the Department of Corrections for six months to actually get my release. Mm-hmm. So November 15th, I wake up. It's my day.
3: Yeah.
2: We go out on the yard at 8 o'clock after count. And at 8.30, they start calling names over the loudspeaker. And you walk to the gate and you leave. they called all the names, they didn't call me. Mm. I'm like, what? Again, they said, no, we're letting you go home after the next count. Last jab,
0: you know? Just out of of spite.
2: Out of spite. But I took it in stride. I earned it. So you can't cause grief to people, no wonder why they want to bring it back to you.
0: Yeah.
2: I earned that. So at 10.30, I walk out, get in the car, we drive to the parole office. Go in the parole office, I meet with my PO, and we have this little power struggle over when I'm getting off parole. And I
4: Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
5: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite.
2: Got upset. She got upset. Then anger management actually kicked in. Before, I would have had to be right, right then. Right. <laughs> I need to be right, right now. Right, right. She's saying I get off in three years. I'm saying I get off in 18 months. We're trying to settle this right now. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, she said three, I said 18 months. I got 18 months to fix this. I don't mm-hmm. have to fix this today. Mm-hmm. I said, no, some lady, you're right. Three years. But in my mind, I got 18 months to fix this. Yeah. So I walk out of there, it took about a month for the paperwork to get accurate, and I was right. Mm-hmm. And she called me back and said, "Andre, you were right. It's 18 months. But had I continued on the path I was on, I was going right back to jail. Yeah. I was about to cuss her out and tear the office up to be right. I'd have been back in the prison talking about, man, that lady tripped out on me. I had to show her I was right. And lo and behold, I was right, but right. I'm back in the jail.
0: You'd be back at the six-year drain, not the eight-year. We got two different drains, the six-year drain. <laughs> All right, so you walk out. What do you do?
2: I do the parole office. Then I get in the car after I leave the parole office. They said, where well, you want to go? Mm-hmm. And it was, was a youth center I used to work with at the prison. They used to bring the kids up from the juvie center. I said, take me to the juvie center. I promised the kid. When I was in the program, I told the kids, I'm leaving the program because I'm going home. Mm-hmm. The kids were like, hey, will you come see us when you get out? Our program's right around the corner from where you live. So, so I said, yeah, I promise. So I told them, take me to the juvenile center. So I went to the juvenile center. I walk in. The kids were like, oh, oh, gee, what's up? They was all ecstatic. And I started talking to the kids. And it was, I was happy to keep my promise. But what I found was that first ride to the parole office, second ride to the juvenile center, the world's moving. Mm-hmm. Everything's moving at 1,000 miles an hour. I've been moving at 2 miles an hour. Right. Prison is two miles an hour. The world is a thousand miles. An
0: hour. Explain it, because you went in a, and...
2: I went in, there was no cell phones. Right. I went in, there was no internet. I went in, there was no white people in the hood. I went in, <laughs> I went in there was no talking cars. I, I can just keep going on the list. It was, I went in, there was no... It was just a lot of stuff that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I went in, things were different. Stuff changed. And it was just a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to take in. And so I'm in the, I go to the juvenile center, strange thing happened. It's a locked facility. It's, they're locked up. Right. I felt comfortable
0: in there
3: because
2: mm. I understood the space. So what I would do is every day for like five or six hours go volunteer to the juvenile center.
0: Because you would be locked in.
2: Because I'd be locked in. It was my decompression time. Everything's moving, 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 fast, fast, no quit, no quit, no stop. Pressure, pressure, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm used to moving at two miles an hour. I'm not ready for a thousand. So I would go to the juvie center every day but I was locked in there's no phones. There's no internet. There's no talking buses. There's no white back people to what jogging. You're used to. Back to what I'm used to. Yeah. I did that for like three or four months, and it was my safe zone for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me. I knew that if I ever got stressed, I'd go to the juvie center and volunteer.
0: Primarily because you locked it. That's yo. That that's I love the kids. I love the kids. Yeah, that's But deep. it was for me. Yeah, that's deep. Love
2: the kids. And the crazy thing happened because I'm going every day. I put me in a room, 35 kids. I tell them my life story. Grew up in the hood, went to prison, was a gangster, Mm -hmm. turned my life around, went to school, got out, now I'm out here, I'm trying to do better. Quiet, yo. I come back on Tuesday, same 35 kids. Mm -hmm. Now what do I tell them? I come up with something else. (laughs) Came back on Wednesday, same 35 kids. (laughs) Came back on Thursday, same 35 kids. So I learned by force to do more than just my personal story.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I know so many people who said they're motivational speakers and have one story. I was that same guy. I had one story. Three months in the juvenile center with the same kids, you learn to tell way better stories.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs>
2: I, my stories, not that they become untrue or different, but you can't tell the rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. They heard it. Right. They have to learn how to break down hygiene stories, how to make it cool to wash up,
3: <laughs> right, right,
2: how to be cool to go to school, how to be cool to pay attention to the staff, how to be... I had to come up with all kinds of stuff. I'm telling stories about why you should listen to your parents or why you should learn how to read or why you should learn about entrepreneurship. By the end of that three months, I was a master storyteller and didn't
0: mm. even know it. Wow. Wow. So what about like that? Like, So th- this is like your home and you're passing, your home that you were in for 14 years. So like, was there any type of like, because you know, some people do want to go back, right? Did you ever have that feeling?
2: I didn't want to go back. There was probably like five times. It was probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Been home for a couple months. And you get homesick. Mm. Or you just feel uneasy. I would get in my car. Unbeknownst to most people, most prisons are about an hour from where you live. Mm. I drove out to the prison. I'd sit up on the highway where I could see over the wall into the prison. I would sit there maybe an hour or two and just look at the prison. Mm. All my friends were in there. Everything I knew was in there. All my memories were in there. And I would just sit up on the prison in my car, looking over from the highway, looking over the wall into the prison. And I would just sit there. Some prisons are on a... This happened to be a, 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 a highway was just sitting in a way where you could see over the wall. From mm-hmm. that particular point, I'd pull up on a little bridge and I'd just sit there. Mm-hmm. And I would look, and I knew who was where and what they were doing. And yeah, I know they were all asleep. And I was just like, yo, those are my folks. I missed them.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I understood that world. So I did that probably like four or five times.
0: Wow. It's like, just, it's like being in a toxic relationship. You break up with them, but you still scroll through the Instagram. <laughs> well, wow, that's the millennial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Trollers. You just to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, so what happens wow. is you
2: have a girlfriend or you have a relationship, and it's 14 years long. Hmm. When it ends, the No
0: system, matter how good or bad a relationship It works. ends,
2: yeah. My biggest thing with not smoking. I quit smoking. I smoked cigarettes. The hardest part for quitting smoking, you know what it was? Okay. Know what to do with my hand. My <laughs> hand my head was programmed to do this. I kid you not. What to do with my hand?
3: Mm. I was
2: so used to doing this all day. When I stopped smoking, it's like my hand was just like out of joint. Right. What do I do with my hand? Mm. So I had to find something else to do with my hand. So what do you do? You put food in your hand. You start right. eating. <laughs> <laughs> so you do the same thing. Now you just put something else in your mouth.
0: Right, right.
2: Yeah, but... um.
0: So you got to like... for. To replace a bad habit, I mean, to, to, to get rid of a bad habit, you got to replace it with something, not yes. just saying, yo, I'm going to quit. You
2: can't quit. Something's going to fill that space. And if you don't direct it, it'll direct itself.
0: Wow. So you 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 start getting your bearings right. How long did it take you to make your first million?
2: Probably... I got out November '99. '99.
0: And congratulations, we just celebrated your 20 year,
2: 20 year anniversary.
0: Anniversary. November yep.
2: 1999. I got out. We just. This is November 2019. Mm-hmm. 20 years I've been doing this. Wow. 20 years. Um, I don't know the exact. I didn't like count the first M, but I ended oh. up with a company. And over the first four years, I worked it from 2000 to 2004. We did 25
0: million dollars. Doing what? <laughs> Did you did you use some of your old six year Dre ingenuity? Oh, and this I just, weird I'm stuff? only one person. Right.
2: You saying I'm only one person. But well, no, it was a non profit and kinda of like a church setting and we did outreach. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand the business of bad lives, the business of corrections, the business the business of gangs. Mm-hmm. See, you're out in the street making money, selling drugs or shooting people or wearing colors. There are people making money off you making money. Mm-hmm. If I'm an insurance company, I love you. Right. Break in another car, shoot another house, burn down another store. Right. You're driving up insurance rates. Right. So if I'm an insurance company, I love gang members. Please come more. <laughs> because right. you're driving up everybody's insurance cost. Everybody in the hood pays some kind of insurance on their car, on a house, on a business, or whatever. So all the insurance companies can charge more in the hood than they can in the suburbs. Mm. So the insurance companies love criminality. It benefits them. But nobody ever thinks that there's an insurance company you see all these commercials on TV get this insurance, that insurance. You never think that they understand that in the inner city where there's high crime this do this go to whatever I don't want put anybody on blast. Go to any insurance company and say you live in the hood. Give them the zip code. Tell them you got a 2019 Mazda. What is insurance for this car and this hood? Then do the same thing in the suburbs. suburbs. Pick a suburban town 20, 30 miles away where there's no crime, no black people. And check this insurance rate on the same car. Guarantee mm. it was almost double. Wow. Do wow. the same. You go to the grocery store. Pick up a can of beans. It's a dollar in the suburbs. It's a dollar 25 in the hood. Everything's more. Insurance. The store costs. You open and open the store. What does the store insurance cost? What does the liability cost? So the insurance companies make extremely extremely more money dealing with inner cities.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Nobody ever thinks about that.
0: Mm. So how did, how did you start in, like, business of making money? And, like, what, what, was, your, what was your first... Obviously, you, you helped the organization make $25 million. Did you not get a, bu-
2: a bunch I of that? I spent a bunch of that.
0: Huh? Did like, what? You got, some, you got What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Anybody
2: know me from 2000, 2004, I used to drive a new car every day. Three times a day. What were
0: you doing? What, what did you do? For work or for the cars? I, yeah, like, to, <laughs> like, what was your means of income?
2: By means of income, we ran a nonprofit. The nonprofit was geared towards helping violence reduction. Okay. So nobody wants kids being shot. Nobody wants people going to jail. Nobody wants their kids to flunk out of school. So we put together a team of ex-offenders, guys, gangsters who've been in jail, and we'd come talk to them kids. Mm-hmm. Because we were them 20 years ago. We were them. We're their big brother's best friend. We're the guys your big brother looks up to. Right, right. We're the guys. I originally got the originators of every gang in Boston. There's all the different gangs. I got the guy who came up with the name. Mm. So BMF, I would go get Meech. You know what I'm saying Gen- Gangster Disciples, you go get Hoover. You know what I'm saying? Crips, you go get Tukey and Mr. Washington, right? So I got, for Boston, the originators of every gang. Put them in one room and said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Mm. Now, there's an article. Anything I, say, anything I say out of my mouth is online. There's an article, Henri Norman, Gangster Turns Life Around. And it'll say in the article that I pulled together 65 people and we had this meeting and I had a core of 15, the 25 million online. Mm. Anything I say out of my mouth is online. If it's not online, I don't even bother to say it. So I used to be a mentor for Major League Baseball online. Sports Illustrated did article on me. So if you can't believe Sports Illustrated, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right, right. But the baseline is we would do gang interventions, crime interventions, and those things. So take a school district. Um, I was just in Dallas. There's 154,000 kids in Dallas public schools. The average school kid costs $10,000 a year. So you tell me it's 10,000 times 154,000. And that's the budget for Dallas public schools. Mm. People don't understand the business of education. Public school is a business. So you take a school district with 50,000 kids in it, multiply it times 10,000. And that's the annual budget. You can, just nice. go, you can go to Google right now put in Baltimore City public school annual cost of kids. is always between 8 and 12000 any city wow. low 8 high 12 mm. you see a public school building with 100 kids in it i see a, I see a building with 100 times 10000
3: right mm. you,
2: that's what that's what i'm seeing so right. now you have this 100 kids in your building if 20% are dropping out what's 20 times 10000 a lot that's a lot of money
0: oh <laughs> A whole lot of bread. So
2: when I go speak to the principal, those are the conversations. People look at. This is classic. I remember mean, when I was a kid. My sisters went on a school college tour. It was like the black the black college tour. They took all the high school kids, put them on a bus. They drive them down to Virginia, show them all the HBCUs, and everybody's doing bakeries and soup sells and let's raise money and send our black kids to school. Right. I watched that for years. I didn't qualify because I dropped out. <laughs> but for years, it was always a big thing. That was like the first time you ever really get to leave the hood mm. was a black college tour. Right. So everybody knew about it. I see it drastically different. All this selling, selling chicken plates to get me to go to college. If you go to a college right now, the average cost of a college is $40,000. So if you sign up, that school's going to make $40,000. Times four is $160,000 for you to go to that school. Right. So if I can bring you 10 kids at $160,000, that's $1.6 million over four years I just brought you for bringing you 10 kids. Why the hell am I selling, oh, excuse me, why am I selling chicken plates to help you make $1.6 million? (laughs) They pay people to recruit students, but we pay to send our kids. We Mm. got it backwards. People are doing it backwards. I go to a college and I say, what is it worth for you for me to bring you 20 students? What is the dollar figure that you will make if I deliver you 20 students? Mm-hmm. They'll say $3.2 million. Okay, if I bring you that, how much do I get? I bring you three, $3.2 million in revenue, what are you going to pay me?
3: Mm.
2: Bro, I'm so happy you're going to school. <laughs> you're going to get an education. You're going to be the first in your family. Yeah, man, listen, they're doing business. Right. Colleges are doing business. We're doing charity.
0: Right, right. Well, no, no.
2: They're, I'm doing business. Right. <laughs> I walk in a room, I'm looking for the business angle. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for, the, okay, where's the money being made? I mean, yeah. I want you to go to school, but the discussion my aunt would have had was how much, how much stuff does she have to sell, how many plates, how many fundraisers to get you in school? Mm-hmm. And she ain't getting nothing for all her, doc, all her efforts. She's just get a good feeling that she got you there. Yeah. I'm walking to the university saying, listen, how much you charge to go here? And what does it cost over four years? And what is a legacy? The legacy avenue is your brothers and sisters. So if you go to a school, there's a good chance your brothers and sisters will go there. So I'm going to bring you 10, which is 1.6. Plus, you're probably going to get at least another three to five on a legacy piece. So that's another, I'm saying 800,000. So we're looking at 3.2 million, just me bringing you 10 kids. What are you paying me out of that? Hmm. If I bring you $3 million worth of revenue to your business, you're going to give me money, right? For sure. So why would, you think the colleges don't pay? We just don't ask.
0: Mm. So what, what are some of the, the, obviously, you speak around the country, and I, I actually, around the world. I was about to say. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> because I, I, I've been to a couple cities with you, and um, obviously, you're always on the road. But what are some of your businesses now that you are involved in?
2: Some of the businesses I'm involved in now, I do crisis management. That's my primary business. So when Honduras, the country of Honduras, had the highest murder rate in the world, they called me. Mm. I go to Honduras. I do an assessment. I put together a plan. I design some trainings. Back. Um, West Africa. I got to go to the motherland. They had child soldiers in the street post-Civil War. I'm in the street working with child soldiers. Mm. Ferguson, Missouri. We had riots. Michael Brown Jr. died. And the whole city, then the whole country erupted. They actually called me to come to Ferguson to stop the riots. Mm. So my team did that. And last year, there was a situation in South Carolina the prison system. There was a riot and seven men died. whole system out of control. South Carolina leads the nation in inmate deaths. They called me. I go in and I set up a unit in the program.
0: So they lead the nation in inmate deaths.
2: South Carolina Department of Corrections lead the nation in inmate deaths. More inmates die in South Carolina, for whatever the reason, than any place else. Mm. So I go in, I now run a housing unit in South Carolina Department of Corrections at a level three maximum security prison. So if you have a crisis, you call. Yeah. I mean, there's other stuff that I do. There's um, my speaking for like, corporations. I still work with London Business School. I've been with London Business School since 2001. Doing what? Corporate trainings. Deutsche Bank, Den Foods, London's Construction, British Petroleum, Ericsson Mobile. it pharmaceutical, um, all multi-billion dollar agencies. Mm-hmm. Nobody's, nobody on that list is on the bill.
0: Give me one of the trainings, give me one of the trainings that you take to corporate from like your experiences in the streets.
2: Okay, corporations have this huge problem with retention. Mm-hmm. You hire somebody, you train them up, you put all this money into them, you get them 10 years in your business, they're vice president and they're killing it. Then it's like crushing. And then after five years of being a vice president, they're making whatever they're making, everything's going good. And in three months, you have this big deal coming up. And it's you and your competitor going for the big deals a $10 million contract. And your number one person, your vice president, quits your company, and he goes down the street and works for your competitor. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> right. You just you know you lost that contract. Right. You lost your best employee, and you're about to lose the next biggest contract coming up because this guy went down the street. Now, if you're the guy down the street, and you know Johnny's up there killing it, and you're about to go for this... $10 million contract, they're like, man, you call Johnny up and say, listen, I tell you what, I'll pay you one and a half times what they're paying you. I give you a better parking spot, better benefits, and I make you a senior <laughs> vice president if you come work for us. Right. Extra hundred grand, better parking spot, better vacation. See y'all later. He goes down the street. Let's go. Happens every day. It happens every day. Mm. So in the way we would explain it is LeBron James was in Cleveland. The Cleveland Cavaliers are worth $150 million at the time, or whatever the number was. He leaves. I'm taking my talents to Miami. Remember that? The day he said that, the moment he said that, the franchise dropped $50 million in the cost. The day he said, the instant he said, I'm going to Miami, the value of that team dropped $50 million. And at the same token, the value of the team he went to, Miami, went up $50 million. So if you were a t-shirt salesman like you used to be, and you stood in front of the Cleveland Stadium, you would sell out every day. Mm-hmm. Because the arena's packed, everybody's dead, now nobody's dead. Right. You're out of business. Right. If you were a hotel next to Cleveland Stadium, you were sold out every game. Now you're empty. Mm-hmm. Whatever your in your restaurant, your taxi, your Uber, whatever you were, as long as LeBron James was in that building, that meant thousands of people coming to that building, right. which meant business for you. Right. When LeBron James moved, all commerce dropped. Dressed franchise them. dropped fifty million and all the surrounding businesses dried up because mm. there was no people. Now let's take it in Miami. The home the empty the empty hotel, full. Ah. The homeless dude with the sign, paid. <laughs> <laughs> the homeless dude with the sign, paid. Everybody paid because the bodies are there now. Right. It's that simple. So it's the same thing in corporate. If you can get this guy to switch from this team to this team, you go up, they go down.
0: Right. Where'd you learn that concept?
2: Learn that con- That's just basic business. Hmm. What I learned, my end wasn't that. Right. That's just, anybody can tell you that. Right. My end is, how do I keep LeBron in Cleveland? Right. If I went to Dan Gilbert and said, listen, you're about to lose $50 million off rip tomorrow. Because hmm. that man's going to go on TV and say that he's going to Miami. It's a done deal. I can convince him to stay. What will you pay me?"
0: Hmm. So, like, did you learn that? Did, did you learn how to get them to stay, like, from the streets? Because obviously... You had, like, you were in command.
2: Right. So my thing is, I go to Dan Gilbert, you're Dan Gilbert. Mm. You know tomorrow you're losing $50 million for starters. Right. <laughs> right. For starters. Right. There's the $50 million cash you're going to lose tomorrow, mm. instantly, gone. Then over the next five years or three years, four years it was, you're going to lose another $10 million, $20 mm. million a year. Fact. Right. <laughs> then other than the cash... Your political standing, you were the coolest dude in the NBA because you owned the team that owned LeBron. Mm-hmm. Your status dropped.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What is that worth to you? You're talking about a $100 million uh, yeah. loss. A right. $100 million loss minimally, plus your pride.
0: So so what What do you teach? Why, I what teach is it?
2: corporate retention. See, I would say to them, because I, I had a discussion, I was in London mm-hmm. at the business school, and I was talking to guys from Deutsche Bank. And they told me that scenario of the guy leaving them going down the street and joining the other bank and then competing against them. And I was like, that's crazy. He says, Andre, it happens all the time. I said, I've been in a game a long time. I grew up in a life. I know gang, gang life, gang culture. And never in the history of my life have I seen anybody quit a gang, join the other gang, and shoot back at them. I've seen people move away, join the church. They tell. They do a lot of stuff. But I've never seen, there's a, Big battle coming up Friday. You quit this. Game. <laughs> you go join that gang and you shoot back. Right. Never seen it. Right. They said it happens all the time in corporate. I said, well, we teach loyalty. We teach pride. We
3: teach
0: oh, family. gang they loyalty said, in the corporate can arena. You,
2: can you teach that to our people, Andre? Minus the guns. <laughs> so I teach I corporate retention based on gang loyalty to the to top businesses in the world. That's amazing.
0: Look, I, look we, we, we've been here for a while. I, got, I have a million more questions, and I wish we could just have a session where you sit down and just tell all the stories you tell me. Like, yo, Dre's prison stories are bar none best stories I've ever heard in my life. But uh, we, 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 we got to kind of wrap this thing up. But, um,
2: but for so, social proof, let's go back to social proof. For sure. Who is Henry Norman? Why am I listening to this guy? Why should I go to social proof? I'm the social My social proof is non-social proof. I legitimately have Millions of dollars in contracts. I've legitimately generated over hundreds of millions dollars in nonprofit space. I legitimately, in my phone right now, have over hundred multimillionaires that I can call right now.
0: I've seen them.
2: Go to their houses.
0: He took me to one. <laughs> Let's go.
2: I took you to New Jersey, your right. hometown. Yeah. Took you to a part of New Jersey you have probably never been. Never
0: to. been to. My man it. just walking me around his office, and I'm like, "This is the most beautiful, amazing office I've ever." We walk into
2: the man's office, multimillion-dollar company walk in and see, according the day we're coming, it didn't look like it was like a planned trip. Like, yo, I'm coming that way, all right, cool. Bring in my friend, no problem. We pull up, we walk into a multi-million dollar agency, it's probably like 800 employees. The CEO, out of respect for me and friendship with me, walked away from his desk and spent two hours walking around with you.
0: For sure, but here's the crazy part. He sit, At the end of it, he sits me down and tells me a story on how he got Dre out of some foreign countries Prison or something. Yeah.
2: Part <laughs> <out>. Okay. <laughs> so.
0: I'm looking like, yo, what in the world is going on with Andre Norman? What the heck is this?
2: So, no, I mean, what happens is when I, you can know people, but who knows you? For sure. Always, for I, sure. Know when I know this one, I know this one. Who knows you? Man. That I can call somebody who runs a multi million dollar company with 800 employees, has an agenda full of stuff to do, but because we show up, walks away from his agenda, spends two hours with us.
0: And then we go to New York, and we went to the who was the dude, the, the big nonprofit?
2: Yeah, Hayden a, Foundation. Yeah. yeah. We walk in, and they again, they shut down their business.
0: For Sure, it was crazy. We it had one on the
2: top floor, one in the office buildings down on Broadway, fifty first floor anchor tenant, and we have the view of the entire city. Shut down their business, and what can I do for you?
0: Mm, 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 mm.
2: So that social proof with me is you need to be with me because oh, sure. if you weren't with me, you would never understand that.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I just
2: took six people to the Genius Network annual event. The Genius Network, most people have never heard of. It's the number one mastermind group in the world, run by a guy named Joe Polish.
0: How much is it to join?
2: $25,000 entry, $100,000 for the VIP. Mm. You pay $25,000 a year for two classes. You pay $100,000 a year for three classes. They're separate classes. Most people don't want to invest that type of money
0: in themselves. And what do you do for the organization?
2: I do trainings. I do crisis interventions.
0: Mm, but what happens
2: team. is, I took six people, including life, took them to, to Phoenix. Three hundred fifty seats, ten thousand dollars a seat, sold out. Mm. Three hundred fifty seats, ten thousand dollars a seat for a two-day training, sold out.
3: Next level.
2: Then we, for this year, we put on a youth component. We had ten kids, twenty-five hundred dollars a seat, sold out.
4: Next level. Now, the next,
2: next level. level was my son. Sat in the, the twenty-four hundred dollar seat. We had a whole class just for kids, twenty-four hundred dollars a piece for wow. two days. The parents paid ten, the kids paid twenty-five,
0: mm, and it's mm, mm,
2: some of the best learning you're ever going to see on the planet that, that you won't see.
0: Well, here's the good news: we're bringing a hundred high school students to Social Proof 2020. So, uh, I mean, it's not twenty five hundred dollars a seat. It's actually going to be free for them. But um, all right, so. Social proof. Yeah, social proof 2020.
2: Why should you come to social proof? If you're sitting at home, you're trying to figure out, how do I grow my business? How do I make it make sense? What's the differential between free and success? How do I take my understanding of gang culture, gang retention, corporate retention? How do you line that up? How do you get to still wear hoodies and Tim's, but on deck where a guy will shut down a multi-million dollar company because you walk in the door mm-hmm. and how can you get him to turn his company over the guy don't even know I didn't walk with you that whole time yeah. we walked in I said
0: Dave yeah where did you go I know like I, I'm walking I, like he's telling me about the, the, the zen room he got and why he has uh, uh, treadmills facing the window for his employees with a call I'm like yo what in the world like where's Drake yeah and I was like I, it didn't dawn on me for a while so it's like yo until you pulled up like we passed, passed each other back. a couple times <laughs> <laughs>
2: so you doing? what happens is people will introduce you to people to show off mm. I introduce people to people to make connections I needed you or wanted you to connect to him not you to connect to me to connect to him so I put you together and I walk away whatever you discuss whatever you hash out whatever comes out of that is between you two there's no leverages there's no strings I gave you the number you have his direct number mm. feel free to call You am saying that's it I don't make relationships and make connections that connect back to me Mm -hmm. because that's manipulation. Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to manipulate you into something because I control for you to get at him. You got to go through me. That's manipulation. That's not real friendship. That's not real helpfulness. That's manipulation. hundred percent. I connect people for the sake of connecting. people. And if I don't like you or trust you, I'm not going to connect you. Mm -hmm. Period. But if I like and trust you and we're good, then I want you to come up. And your idea shouldn't have to be mine. Yeah. And I shouldn't gotcha. have to agree with it. Hey, if it's a solid, I trust you, go towards your demand.
0: I love it. I love it. So, yes, you will see uh, Andre Norman speaking at Social but Proof. I,
2: but I tell you, you have to tell him the truth. You have to, I come hard. I, I'm not politically correct.
0: Oh, uh, for sure. I'm not
2: trying to be your friend. I don't care if you like me on Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to tell you raw truth.
0: Yeah, if you want somebody to rub your back and, like, feed you tea with honey in it, that's no. not dry. <laughs> if
2: you want the raw truth, I'm going to give it to
0: you. Yeah, he was on one of my coaching calls one day. And after, it was like, yo. Like, it it, it, it was it was like a, a strong disrespectful little bit. And he's not disrespecting anybody personally. They felt disrespectful because he was... He, because he was coming with the heat, but what happened over the next couple of days was amazing because after they got over their feelings of how they felt about what you said, it was like, okay, now it's time to start taking accountability.
2: You get results. I measure things by results, not willingness. So I'm not, did he make me feel good? Did he tell me I'm doing a great job? Did he, he, he see the part of my project that I'm really proud of? <laughs> Keep that moving. <laughs> you
0: know I'm saying? Keep that moving. Look, Dre, I got to make, I like to end every podcast with a uh, predictions. I like to make predictions so that um, I'm going to ask you, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? But I'm only asking because it's on camera and we'll be able to look back at this tape five to 10 years from now and say, wow, Dre said he was going to do it and he actually did it. That's crazy. So give me your predictions, next five to 10 years for Andre Norman.
2: Okay. This is, okay,
0: personal, it,
2: period. personal, 5 to 10 years from now, I will be the prison czar for the United States of America. The what? The prison czar. I'm making it up. It doesn't exist. <laughs> like the iPhone didn't exist? If i just said it. iPhone in 75, you'd be like, what? I love it. If I'd have said Tesla in 2000, and said, what? Right. I, listen, I, there's a 0% chance of it happening, which means I'm the only one in that line. I love it. There's I nobody it. else trying to get this. Right. There's nobody.
0: The president. The,
2: the whole time I was in prison, I was trying to go to Harvard, there was no competition.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna steal that book. Nobody's nope. trying to steal that book. <laughs> I was
2: in that road by myself. Right. So right now we have 2.2 million people in prison and like another 10 million people on supervised release. And it's not working. I want the whoever the president of the United States is at the time to appoint me the person in charge of fixing the American prison system. So I use the term prison. We had drugs are, this all, that's our health is all. I'm going to be appointed by the United States president to be the person to fix the American prison system because we have too many people that look like us and not like us who are in jail being tortured into being better people. Mm. And you can't torture people into being better people. Um, We need to pay our debt, but at the same time, we have to be reformed, we have to be treated like humans and given an opportunity to be productive. There's a lot of talented people. I'm not the only talented person to come out of prison. Mm-hmm. There's tons of brothers and sisters, men and women who are in there who just need someone who understands it from their perspective, from mm-hmm. their lens, as you say. So I will be appointed in the next five years to take over and fix the American prison system. That's my personal. On my business, I will have, I want, say, 50 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's two CEO networks. There's EO and there's YPO. I am a member of EO, which is um, 14,000 um, founders of companies that generate like $3 trillion. YPO is 27000 and they generate $9 trillion. I want to mm. elevate up to YPO.
0: Gotcha. Got, how much is uh, EO? EO, you,
2: you got to crush a million. YPO, you got to do at least 10.
0: Also, oh, so you have to be making a million, and then you how much is it to join?
2: Under 10 grand a year.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. That's but nice. you, you have to just eclipse the million dollars. Yeah. Got Gross or net.
2: I believe it might be. Might be that. Okay. I Call your account. account. I ain't got that yet. We can work it out. I don't that yet.
0: All right. Cool. Um. All right. Any, anything else? I need a wife. You need. I'll oh, say. You've inspired listen. me,
2: brother. <laughs> You've been inspired. I will
0: be married in the next five years. I will years. be, I will I be married in the this.
2: next five years.
0: So we're playing this at the wedding.
2: We're playing this. Listen, I can't be a wedding. <laughs> we're oh, playing this we're gonna, at get, my your wedding. wedding. Yeah. Oh no, he just showed her. She's like, I know. <laughs> no, I mean. My problem with the wife part is I keep looking for what I think she needs to be. Mm -hmm. And the problem I was having was I had my list of what I wanted her to be. For sure. It was certain height, certain weight, certain job, certain this. I had a list of what I wanted her to be. Mm -hmm. The problem was I wasn't on her list (laughs) (laughs) of that person. Right. That person that I wanted, if you looked at her list, I wouldn't have qualified. Right. I was 50 pounds overweight. I wasn't focused. I was So I said, hold up.
0: You dropped some weight. Looked I dropped 50 pounds. Yeah.
2: Still going. I started at 297. Mm-hmm. I'm currently at 250. And I'm, I'll am i be at, put it on, when, when is this, April? April. I'll be at 220, 215 by, by April. Oh, nice. When you see me in April, I will not be 250 pounds. I'll be at least, two, at the most, 220.
0: So we need to go shopping again.
2: I went shopping, yes. I got a is trunk full of cars. I need to
0: go with you, though.
2: Do it. I got, a, I got a bag. I got a whole trunk full of true religion. Okay.
0: <laughs> true religion and
2: polo. This is, this is one of my new
0: outfits. Yeah, I like it. I, like I got it. a
2: whole, exactly. whole, whole, I, 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 I ain't going to say how much I spent. I got a trunk full of bags, true religion right. and polo. I love and it. And Nike. I love it. Right. But, um, <laughs> you, will see me at, you will see me at Social Proof 2020 100%. at 220 pounds. There it Max. is. Max. There it is. Because I need to, instead of me having a list for her and want her to overlook my faults, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to overlook her faults. Right. I'm saying, so I got this thing on my list. Mm-hmm. And oh, she can't have this, or she can't have that, or she can't be this. But I'm 50 pounds, I'm near 300 pounds. Yeah. I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. So I said, let me get myself to match her list. Mm, I love it. So love it. 220 pounds in shape. Um, eating healthy, living healthy, going to sleep on time, having a schedule because mm-hmm. I'm all over the place. Yeah. So I I need to serve When she says, "Hey, this is what I need," mm-hmm. I want I want to be her to check everything off on her list th- that I can match that. I love it. I love it. Stop being one-sided.
0: Good stuff. All right. So look, man, we got we got about three minutes. Um, I want you to kind uh, of first off, I'm gonna do the the outro, but I need you to end with a story. So get a good story going, preferably a prison story that has. Uh, Nothing to do with rape. This, uh, you know what I'm saying? I got like, a whole bunch of rape stories. Uh, but give me a prison story if, if that has to. I got you know. one. You got a story um, with a principal at the end. So listen, man, I'm glad y'all uh, tuned in. Man, uh, we are bringing you literally the dopest people in the world. Not even the dopest people that I know, just like the dopest people in the world who are killing it on a whole nother level. Um, make sure you're following Andre Norman. How did how I did get in touch with you? Uh,
2: my IG's popping.
0: Hey, we live. <laughs> no, nah, ain't popping like that. I don't care about
2: this. Uh, if you wanna, uh, my website is my name, AndreNorman.com. My Instagram is my name, at Andre Norman. Mm-hmm. My Facebook is my name, Andre Norman. Yep. My LinkedIn is my name, Andre Norman. So if you go to my website, all the links are there.
3: Got it. Got it. Okay.
0: All right, give me a story, man. And he's going to take us out of here.
2: 14 years, I was in prison. And for 14 years, I thought I was winning. Mm-hmm. Um, selling drugs, doing my thing. and My mother came to see me one time. And I was in solitary confinement because I just stabbed a couple, couple people. And I'm in the hole. My mother came to see me. And she said, boy, how do you get in jail, in jail? <laughs> I said, mom, I'm, tri- I'm working hard. This ain't easy. And she looked at me. And I just got 10 years out of my sentence. Locked in a cage. I'm in shackles 24 hours a day. And she looked at me like, and I think I'm winning. I really think I'm winning. You couldn't tell. My mother looked at me. She cried and she left. She walked away crying. I'm thinking that she's weak. She don't get it. She don't get it. I think I'm winning. I'm locked in a basement. I'm in shackles. And my mother had to sign a piece of paper to see me. And I think I'm winning. Mm-hmm. Then finally, when I woke up, got my life together, and I came home. Um, but my mother, when I was in there, my mother go to work. And her friends would get to talking because women talk about their kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Cheryl, what happened to your little boy Andre? Oh, he didn't solitary Still I'm stabbing some people. Fast forward, she had church. My mom went to church. After church at the little hall, they drink a little coffee, having a cakes. Hey, they talk about this one getting married, this one going here. Cheryl, Willow and Andre. Andre, oh, he just got a status raise in this gang. He's number three now. He's <laughs> killing me. Long story short, for 14 years, my mother couldn't say my name with pride. Ooh. For 14 names. there was an embarrassment to say my name. She loved me, but she was extremely disappointed. And you ask my mother where I'm at now. Oh, he's in Atlanta with Dave. He's trying to put together, help put together a platform to help people leverage up. Where was he yesterday? He was doing intervention for some people whose daughter was having a hard time. Where was he last week? Oh, he was down in Microsoft doing a platform. He works for Microsoft. I work for Microsoft. I do platform speaking for them. And where was he last week? Oh, he was at Genius Network, the number one mastermind group in the world. Where's he going to be next week? Oh, he's at Harvard. He's doing another seminar. Where was he two weeks ago? He's going to Amsterdam. My mother would never be embarrassed to say my name again. So for all the gangster talk, all the I lived it, did it, been there, done that, Embarrassing my mother for 14 years was worse. Wow. She didn't deserve it. And for the rest of her days, she would have said her son is doing something respectful, something honest, and something admirable. And that's, that's the key. And if I worked at Home Depot, I didn't have this life, traveling around the world and all the rest of that, it wouldn't matter. All she wants to know before she leaves this planet is if my son is going to be okay. And if I'm in the street hustling, dipping and dodging, I'm not married and settled down, I'm not handling my responsibility, I'm not organized my mother's going to have a horrible death. Mm. So I'm going to ensure that my mother, when her day comes, she's going to look at her son and say, he's okay. Wow. And for all the gangsterism, the crazy talk you get from people to fly, spinning on poles or running around with guns or ra- plumping a Range Rover, my mother don't care what I drive. She just cares I have a job. I'm taking care of my son. I'm taking care of my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy. That's what matters. So for the rest of my days, whatever my job is, it's going to be done to honor her.
0: Man, I appreciate you, man. Make sure y'all follow my boy, Andre Norman. And make sure you're at April, April 2nd and 3rd, Real Social Proof Social office. Proof. We're going to have over 2,000 people in the building. We got 55,000 square feet, square feet, square feet. The networking is going to be uh, unmet. I promise you you're going to meet the people that you only follow on Instagram. All right. I'll see y'all later. All right, my brother. <laughs> Peace.
1: Yo, this is your boy, Donald the Boys. Donald the Boys. And that's right, if you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right, head on over to donaldthevoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com and I look forward to talking to you we <laughs>